a Pulp MX Network production. The only athlete-to-athlete podcast in the sport. Questions from a different perspective. The hard questions you want answered about training, riding, and being a professional athlete. Not only in motocross, but in other sports realms as well. Welcome to Shifting Gears, the Zach Osborne Podcast. Yeah, guys, what's up? This is episode 10 of the Husqvarna Shifting Gears Podcast presented by Scotian Fly. This episode features Alden Baker, um, my trainer. My uh, good friend and and someone that I really look up to um, as a mentor in this life and uh, just this whole whole game of motocross. He's been a, a huge part of the last four, three or four years of my career and um, a huge part of the success I've had. So I'm stoked to to let you guys in on some maybe some inside jokes or some um, just an inside look at at who he is and and. Um, kind of get rid of the stigma of him being a robotic drill sergeant or uh thereabouts you know I, I feel like he's a really good dude and somebody that um almost gets like a a little bit of a unjust um introduction to how he is if you if you will so um hope you guys enjoy thanks to uh, Husqvarna Scotia and Fly for continuing to support this podcast and thank you guys for continuing to listen enjoy here we are, episode 10 of the Husqvarna Shifting Gears podcast, presented by Scotia and Fly. Um, I have Alden Baker in my presence, and uh, I'm super stoked to have you, Alden. I've gotten so many requests for this one, and um, it didn't disappoint when I put out the tweet that we were going to do this. Uh, I got like 15 questions, um, which is way more than I normally get. Wow. So thank you so much for doing this. Oh, well, thanks, Zeka. I mean, I'm impressed that even people want to hear what I've got to say. I mean, I'm basically the water boy, so uh, <laughs> I'm surprised there's even things that they have uh, to uh, throw at me. But uh, yeah, no, cool. Thanks. And uh, it's awesome. And especially to do it with you, I feel like I'm really relaxed and chilling. I, I'm quite the opposite. I'm a little nervous. I feel like this is <laughs> one of those Holy Grail ones. The first Holy Grail one I had was Dunge, which was my first episode. Yeah. Um, struggled wildly with that one just because i was nervous and it was my first try and uh i feel like my skills are getting a little better but um at the same time it's one of those opportunities as a a podcaster that you know only come along every now and then and and i appreciate it right no that's awesome so uh yeah I'm ready, and hopefully I can answer to the best of my ability. <laughs> well, um, first of all, you've had a, a really good year um, with with your guys, and including myself, and uh, mm. a championship with Cooper and Supercross, and just um, kind of business as usual for you, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I always look at it that it's a you know every year is a new year, new challenge. Um, you can't settle on past results or, or people. And, and the goal, obviously, from mine, as you know, is to get the best out of every one of you guys. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, I definitely feel Supercross was, was uh, pretty good. I mean, obviously, I was a little bit uh, bummed for Jason. Um, but then uh, the rest of you, uh, you know, I was I was really happy. And obviously, for you, getting injured early was a big dent. And, uh yeah, but I'm glad you could come back in and at least uh, get yourself and your, you know, your feet going and uh, get a taste for that and actually end on, on with some good results. So uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And um, 
I like I said, it's just kind of business as usual for you for for mm. Supercross championships. But um, this one had to be a little bit special, kind of digging digging homeboy out of uh, a little bit of a hole, really. You know? Yeah. No, I would have never. I mean, I, we all knew, and, and even myself, I knew that uh, obviously Cooper has potential, and uh, as to how long that was going to take to get him to obviously meet that potential uh was was the qu- the big question and in the off season i mean it was rough as you know i mean the poor old coop was was hanging on like a string with every piece of the training you know from the riding to the cardio to the strength everything was very very, very difficult and a big challenge and a big jump uh, for him but uh it it was you know good to see uh, you know him obviously turn that around and then get some momentum and uh, and keep that consistency. You know how important that is, and uh, you've won championships, and you know that that's a big big part of it. And uh, it's not an easy thing to do through the whole season. Definitely, I mean, in my opinion, I, that's one of your your biggest strengths as um, as a coach or trainer is is just the consistency of what we do week in and week out, and and. Mm. It's not, you know, I think a lot of people take things for granted, like the small things like missing a day here or there or, you know, two days here or there. And we don't really have that. And I think that that's one of the big, big differences that you um, sort of instill in us, if you will, is is just not missing any session, hmm. you know, not missing any minutes during the weekend. And it's always sort of the same um, every time, you know, we wake up. Right. Well, I, I do believe in, in, in structure and consistency, as you know, and I think that counts a lot. Um, I think people go through phases, and especially in the beginning of the season, everyone's motivated, and it's almost a little bit easier to, to cope and to do things. But it's a long season, and then you've got another season coming after that. So, yeah, for me, that that structure and looking at the bigger picture is important and and also trying to keep that that balance uh you know for you guys so that it is you as you know is a lot of repetition but it to me it creates uh that you react better and you operate better when you're so used to that kind of repetition yeah it's almost um not not i think we get the the wrong um stigma if you will occasionally of like being robotic or, or this mm. or that but it's almost just automatic more than than robotic right. like we're we're in it but it's it just comes more natural to us the more often we are doing the same thing i feel like right and and that's the key and then you know you guys may not notice it but as you develop uh you know the little bit of the load and the way you can cope with things because i've always got to have you ready for big stress days you know almost the worst case scenarios right. i mean even going with this last weekend was a you know a big stress day with the heat intensity everything working against you guys so and that goes through the you know the whole year you never know when that is maybe maybe going to kick in but we've got to be trying to be ready for it so uh that's why i really focus on that structure and repetitive and and not missing creating uh that we have the least amount of you know holes in the in the program uh as possible yeah i feel like in on occasion you've gotten uh almost a stigma of being um like a drill sergeant or like that you didn't have much relationship with us as athletes Mm. or you know it was you and us or you know there was like a divide but you're very much you know i've been here this is my, my third season with you um as an athlete and 
I feel like we have a great relationship working and um, and not working. Mm. Um, you know, I think that there's something to be said for just how in tune you are with with the guys you have and how much you really truly know them. Whereas you know, oftentimes in in other settings, it's it's portrayed as it's just like a, a very business relationship. Right. That's a difficult one because it's you you've got to maintain the respect that's the biggest thing and and that line as much as i know i have to have a relationship with with you guys um that's so important and how i read each one of you guys and and you are a lot different each each one of you right um is to me the key of being a personal trainer it's got to be personal where i understand where you at where your strengths and weaknesses are and what you've done in the past and what your goals are in the future um and you've got to have that trust factor so you have to develop a a relationship to have the trust but you can't have it where you too i mean i hate to say too buddy buddy where there you you tend to lose the respect um, and There's then, a fine line between that comfort mm, zone of friendship and business, I feel like. And, yes. and once you cross that, it's hard to get it back. Right, exactly. And, and that's the reason, I mean, I'm, I'm not disappointed, but it's not often that I'll get invited to, you know, like a party or something. Or, <laughs> hey, come and have dinner at my house tonight, you know. it's And and it's not a bad thing, you know. it's I understand that there's got to be that little bit of of leeway where, um, because when, when the t- times get tough, if it's too far over the to the buddy buddy side yeah you can't get that right that athlete you can't to, them down yes or, or to, to actually focus and understand and and see the the big picture so but that comes back to what i said about that it, that's personal training and that's that is a line that you've got to navigate very carefully depending on on each athlete and also where they're at i feel like over the past couple of years you've you've had you know four guys for how many years now five or six years yeah and and you've done a good job of managing the differences in personalities right now you have four guys two or three who are very similar mm. um in personality one's a little different it's just how hard is that day in and day out to manage that in a way that's sustainable yeah that is a difficult one is that your toughest job right yeah now? I, I would say that is the toughest job is we all know that you have a job to do and and you know and i'm trying to get the best for each guy and i need you guys to work together to a certain degree because i believe that that's what pushes you guys and and helps you in certain ways but it also can't be um a mess and 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 also form you know easily into basically disrespectful problems but uh I, I do believe that is, you know, ever since I tested the waters back in the day when I still had Villo and I, you know, brought on Kenny and, uh, you know, everyone was saying, well, that's, why would you do that? That's not going to work. And, and to me, you know, I th- it did work. And, and it, from then onwards, I felt like, okay, having that balance of the every athlete understanding the, the benefits of, of having good guys around to push them. But uh, also getting them in the best position to do the, their job the best um, is important. And that varies year from year. I mean, I remember, you know, when I started with you, you were on a 250. So you were gaining a lot 
from just being around, you know, like Dungeon, Marvin, and, you know, and actually when I first started with Marv, Marv was on a 250. Um, so now we come, you know, to this point now, you're all on 450s, you're all capable of winning, um, and if you're capable of winning, you can win championships. Right. So it's got definitely a little bit more um, intense and, and balancing that is, is, is a little bit more of a, of, of a job, but I, I don't, you know, I'm still passionate about what I do and what I believe can be done and I still believe in the group that I have and um, so it is my job to make sure that that balance is kept right um, as as we you know as we move on yeah I mean being being someone who's kind of quote unquote on the inside if you will mm. you've done a dang good job of like disarming some situations or managing the whole thing it, it's pretty <laughs> miraculous really <laughs> well thanks Zach yeah like uh yeah, you know firsthand there's been a couple of, you know, little things and uh it's yeah, I mean, uh you you do the best you can to to keep that amicable and, and, and keep the boys on, on point and also keep them understanding the big picture, you know, and uh and maintaining that respect. I'm all about you know, you have to have that in order to um keep moving forward. All right, I mean that's enough about us, honestly. Um that's that's a lot of stuff that people want to hear but mm. at the same time this this shifting gears podcast is more about the story of where you came from how you got here obviously my story is pretty unique and i feel like mm. um the the more that the, the background that i can help get out there um the better people understand and and right. have a better worse opinion hopefully better typically mm. um but you were born and raised in south africa right. um, not exactly an easy place to get to America, I mm. spoke about that with Tyler yeah. um, in his podcast, and um, same for you. I mean, it's it's not an, a friendly, easy thing to do to to get from no. South Africa to here. No, and I would have never thought back in the day. I mean, I think if you spoke to anyone anywhere else and said, "Hey, man, would you like to live in America?" I mean, gosh, everyone would jump at it. We know that this is the best country in the world, and and it has so many opportunities, and it's a uh, it's a you know it's a it's a dream place. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. So when I look back, uh, coming from South Africa, to me it didn't even look like an option that I'd even ever you know I I I obviously you know went off traveling around Europe and England. I was a um, personal trainer you know in England. Um, before that, uh, obviously was in the in the military. In South Africa, that was mandatory for two years at that particular time. Um, so, a lot of discipline was set in, in, in my life, and also from my parents. My dad was a top marathon runner. I was involved in, in you know some sort of sport in our family, you know, from as far as I can remember. And as it channeled off, and then when I got involved into trying mountain biking, I was kind of late getting into that. You know, I. You know, it was definitely I should have started it earlier, but I saw that as something that I'd love to give a give it a good bash and see where I can get. And you know, I had to go back to South Africa from England to start it there, and then develop, make sure that at least I was winning in South Africa to then proceed to the bigger stage, and then came to the bigger stage and got hammered. Yeah, but. Uh, also understanding that the level and and everything was way bigger in, in that sport for in Europe and, and America um, but it was the first sort of step into 
sort of high-end training and understanding and and then figuring out tonight coaches and how to figure out recovery and nutrition that works for your body and even though that was a very tough time and and I was on a shoestring budget I mean I sold up everything and got got a couple of sponsors out of South Africa that gave me a chance to basically you know I had six months to try and get something going Um, and then thank God I did just get another sponsor that would get me going for another year and then I get to the end of that year and just get another sponsor to make it for another and the goal was actually the Olympics because uh, you know Africa had a place and once mountain biking became an Olympic sport it kind of beefed me up a little bit like man he has a an opportunity to possibly make the Olympics and I knew the Olympics was only I think I think they only had 20 places so instead of going to a World Cup where I'm starting on the line at 120 <laughs> and trying to work my way to the front I thought you know what if you can have a goal of that and, and obviously the Olympic experience would be unreal I mean I never I always looked at mountain biking that look I'm not going to retire out of this you yeah. know this is a passion it's something that I'm going to learn on it and, and, and it's going to develop me into something else but still I never knew what was beyond that or where I'd end up um, so with all that that happened uh, obviously the Olympic thing I qualified but the country never allowed me to take the place um, and it was just, it was just, I mean it was just one of those things and then there was the promise that was actually for the Atlanta Olympics and then in so two, 96 six, then 2000 was Sydney and there was an opportunity that hey well you know shoot for 2000 and, and we'll, we'll give you your place so I qualified again for 2000 and they pulled the plug and then it was so you basically did you you were going to continue or you just I was, continued to 2000 more for the olympics i was i more for the olympics because i knew that you know i was i mean i wasn't making it in in, in world cup mountain i was decent i mean I, I i got into the top 20 but it was on average i was you know between 30 and 40 like i i could never even get you know i mean i was i think one time it was at a smaller event got into the top 10 but it was I could never, you know, and, and and I couldn't understand. I mean, I obviously was trying my hardest and that. But when I look back now, I was also trying to do too much. I was trying to do some road cycling, try and get some money out of that right. to fund the mountain biking, do mountain bike races, travel around, do another road race to get. So now I think it going full circle, I understand how important it is that you actually stick to one thing and focus on one instead of trying to do multiple and think it's going to work for everything yeah, so i think it little takes away from the other exactly i think it made me it almost averaged me out um but it was a good learning curve you know i feel um yeah it it, it that was a brutal time and, and also my living conditions were not ideal i see now how important it is to have good support system um and i and i see it a lot with you guys how critical it is to have everything lined up up for you when i look back i can see well oh man i missed it there no wonder i wasn't performing because i was you know trying to be a pro no good yes and then i was traveling and driving you know six hours and you know not you know not resting enough doing and then when i was supposed to be resting i was out doing other chores you know i hadn't figured out that you if you're going to take it to the next level you have to that has to be everything you know for you and you have to piece every part of your lifestyle to that so 
in a way it taught me a lot but you kind of either go through it to understand so I don't have any regrets because it also brought me to America it gave me an, an opportunity to go around and also including a lot of Europe um, and then it came where hey look it wasn't looking good it's the Olympics they pulled the plug and I was going to be heading back to South Africa to figure out what am I going to do there or possibly go to Australia where my, my brother had moved to um, and then I you know I'd, I'd already met Ricky at um, through Johnny O'Meara who you, and, who you had met through mountain biking? Yeah, uh, through Oakley. Because oh, Oakley, Oakley sponsored okay. me, and then Johnny was the Oakley rep for Ricky, and, and Johnny was into mountain biking. I'd met Johnny, and uh, he actually introduced me to Ricky, and we chatted, and, you know, one of the first conversations I had with him was, you know, I looked at him and said, man, you know, what do you do? Obviously, I knew what you did, but I was like, man, he's, you know, he looked a bit thick for, for the job. <laughs> and uh, I was a hardened cyclist guy so to me if it were if you weren't putting in massive hours and all that i yeah. almost didn't have any respect for anything else um so it was funny we struck a, a, a relationship and then uh, uh he mentioned to me that hey yeah you should uh come and try and help me you know um and i didn't really think much of it and then when he did move up to the the bigger class i think he started to see that hey man you know my fitness and nutrition probably needs to be better and and I, I still feel you know it was Johnny that saw and knew my background he kind of knew Ricky really well and pieced us together and um, that's when Ricky contacted me in uh, beginning of 2000 or yeah probably middle of probably around about February or so because I know he didn't have a good supercross season or something happened that that first that year that was his rookie cow year or was that 99 i think that was 99 was his oh, okay. rookie year because um yeah and then i i flew out um and he they'd already started the outdoors oh, okay and um he was doing decent but outdoors you know he told me outdoors is my thing and i'm pretty decent with that and and we we you know he picked me up in tallahassee airport i'd never been to tallahassee straight out to his farm and 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 i lived out there with him and and that's how it all began where i said to him like okay well firstly everything that i eat you'll eat and then everything that with training i'm gonna do you know with you and and we'll we'll build it from there and yeah the rest rest was history skosh accessories for life listen guys their slogan sums it up they are accessories for your life I use the Magic Mount vent clip every day, boom bottle all the time, go bat when we're traveling, whatever it may be, the functionality and durability of these products is second to none. That's why myself and Rockstar and J Husqvarna Factory Racing choose Skosh, accessories for life. Check them out at Skosh, S-C-O-S-C-H-E dot com. So you guys worked for seven years, six years? Seven six years. years. Seven years. Yeah. And I mean, at that point, like after the third year, you had to be like... This is easy, like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was ch- at first, you know, I thought, you know, what the chances of us lasting six months <laughs> would be. I mean, that'll be. We- I mean, I, I felt like we wouldn't make it because just because of the lifestyle changes, or yeah, and also I thought that he. I was concerned that I think the shock to to what my ideas. Uh, we're going to be maybe too much of a shock. But I give him credit; he did trust in everything that I said and did. I don't know if everybody around him trusted everything especially when i started to change his diet um but they was the the whole family they were still open to like you know what we'll give you a chance give you an opportunity and uh and let's 
let's go from there you know and I remember we we did have a good outdoors he won the outdoors at the end of that year um, but then the challenge was supercross and I remember him saying well yeah I'm not a good supercross rider so yeah, now it's going to be a problem um, and then obviously you know McGrath was is the king and uh, yeah you know you'd have to try and step up to beat beat that guy and uh so I was a little bit, I mean, we had a, a good off-season training and put in everything, and uh, then he came out, and it didn't start off as good. You know, the first few races, he didn't win, and then I think it was uh, maybe the third or fourth race that he, he straight up beat McGrath, and then from there, he, yeah, the confidence changed, the whole demeanor, and uh, he ran with it, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. That's, uh, I mean, that has to be a, a huge point in your life where you were you know on the limit of going back home and starting to work a normal job to the pinnacle of motocross and supercross for six years seven years with Mm. you know the greatest of all time who you have to kind of have feel like you have had a part in that yeah no it was it was a good experience and and a lot of learning too you know i mean i got to you know i didn't know much about on on the motorcycle stuff i mean i had some road racing experience from riding doing some road racing in south africa back in the day um but to me the motorcycle stuff was was not my drill it was all conditioning diet strength and then but i i i I took that and watched everything monitored everything learned a lot about and and obviously i had one of the best guys to almost show me and I saw all the drills that were done, the, the amounts, and then that's when I started to obviously monitor heart rate and, and get a load count on laps and throughout the year and work out the travel and the whole thing and piece together a plan that I felt that get an understanding of what it's going to take to maintain that kind of pace, ability, load, everything. Um, and there were a few times, I mean, you, you know, you learn as you, you know, make, you make mistakes and then you think, okay, well, that didn't work out too well. And then you readjust and, and, and carry on. But it, it all started there where um, I don't think I could have had a better university, if you could call that, than the years I had with, with Ricky. And yeah, then, that had to be you know, pretty tough on you, though, like to, to step in it right at the deep end and then yeah. be making those calls kind of almost from the hip. Like, yes career changing calls you know not not necessarily every one was career changing but you know it's kind of the butterfly effect if you overdo it here you're going to be exactly short there that's that's pretty, yeah. uh, like experience at the deep end or a fortune and fire if you yeah will. well and that's what was a bit nerve-wracking even though it was a good time but at the time it was very nervous because some of the stuff it was trial and error i was like <laughs> well it's either going to work or this guy's going to fail horribly you <laughs> yeah. know and uh and then you've got a lot of people looking and also just waiting for you to to make Mess a mistake yeah. and uh so yeah that was good and then during that same period you know I got the opportunity to also train a road racing guy with Nicky Hayden so between the two it it was it was challenging but good, you know, and yeah. a busy time. And you were, were uh, world champion with Nikki in two thousand six. Six, yeah, that's an incredible accomplishment as well. Yeah, no, that was that was pretty amazing because you know, with regarding to him, he had his 
I mean, he was up against obviously all European and yeah. the best in the world, and uh, yeah, that was that was quite a quite a cool deal. One of your biggest criticisms, I feel like, is is the that you burn guys out or mm. um, you know in careers short of what they could have been or should have been or, mm. or whatever. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like, yeah. I, I don't know um, if you care to, but no, no. I mean, I've got no problem, and I know a lot of people have said, "Yeah, you just get the guy to the top, and then he's done." But there's there's basically two sides, and I, and I always ask the the athlete, um, "What do you want to do? Do you you know would you pick winning races, winning championships, and going out on top, or not doing that and having to hang in there in the hope that something might." come around and putting yourself basically at more risk and I think people don't understand that it's a risky sport and it's not something like you can compare it to golf where you can go from that to then to the next older league of Champions League yeah, yeah yeah you know and uh, you got to make it while you can there is eventually a point where you're just not going to have that same reactions the same desire and drive um, especially with the seasons that that we run that you know we run two seasons in a year you know with with a supercross and motocross so it is a little bit of a vicious circle because once a guy wins and he wins championships and he does really well well what is enough how many championships are enough how much wins are enough and more importantly to the guy you know financially what is enough and when are you ready to still keep putting you know your everything on the line for it um and i would rather have and i feel like all my guys have i don't feel i've had a problem with you know if i can you know do really well win championships they've got to still decide if if they need to you know are they going to put their limb and and life on the line and and all in and they know what goes into it um if they want to try and do that again and I think every athlete out there in the back of their mind doesn't want to basically end his career where he couldn't get a ride anymore. He didn't yeah. have any good results, and he was on his way down. Yeah, I, I've heard you use the quote, um, I'd rather burn out than fade away, which I yeah. 100% agree with. But, um, I mean, I guess it's it's oftentimes people wanting their hero to continue yeah, more and than they want to, or, or something along well, those lines. Well, that's the thing, really or know. or it's or it's people that honestly don't know what goes on in the trenches and how much risk and suffering and training and and then to maintain that you can you can mellow everything down, but your results are not going to be there. Right. So you got to pick your battles where you go, you know, do it right, go all in, and then also have that opportunity where you can decide I, th- I honestly feel the guys that haven't got the results don't really have that opportunity to decide okay well i think that's either enough money that's enough championships i want to start a family or i want to do this or whatever they've decided um they don't have that freedom because yes because not because of not results but because yeah. they they haven't had the same results as those guys who have the freedom to make those decisions. Exactly. I, I honestly feel like if, um, I mean, the last guy to retire with me was, was Ryan Dungey, obviously. Um, and I would feel that if he didn't have the results, he'd still be racing. Yeah. Because you've also got to do it while you can and make the money you can so it can carry you at least a bit until you know what your next step is. And, right. and, and finding that next step 
when when you do in in racing and 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 in your career that's a difficult one on its own so you're torn between how long can i in a way and i hate to say the word milk it but right I would rather try and do it properly and also out of respect for how much the teams are putting in and what they what they are paying for is top results and 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 championships and winning um in a respectful manner if you honestly can't do that or can't be a contender well what what are you doing What's out the there yeah i understand that and and like i said i i completely agree with the the thought or theory you know I, i'm a uh, an all-in kind of guy and i mm. would rather burn out than fade away and and that's just kind of who i am but um yeah i just wanted to kind of speak on that a little bit because yeah. i feel that that's one of your biggest criticisms of mm. your your career is that but what's your favorite thing about what you do i'd say just uh i mean i love what i do with because it involves training it invo- involves there's never a a dull moment because you can't guarantee any day or any part of it every day is is um i wouldn't say nervous but you 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 have to be sharp yes i mean from i mean every day that you guys ride you know i mean it's not you know there's some risk and and it's a challenge with all the conditions so it's so unique um and it to me it keeps me young in a way it keeps me sharp it keeps me pushing myself to grow and accept things and learn so i i can't think of anything else that i would want to do that doesn't challenge me the same way um and then include in a in a in a, in a sport that requires training and being a little hardened and which has been my whole lifestyle um discipline uh respect structure so i love that part of it um, the only thing that I don't love is the travel. I understand that. Yeah, but uh, but with regards to, I couldn't wish for a more of a, a dream job. And and there are, you know, sometimes I wonder if you know if we don't have the results on the weekend, you think, man, I wonder how many people out there are. It doesn't even matter to them, yeah. you know. But for us, that's that's a challenge, and and you've got to deal with it, and you've got to do your. If if we don't win and don't have results i call it we do the little walk of shame you know and walk off and regroup and come back again but uh the cool thing is we 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 get to race so often that uh get to go again yes it's not like you have to wait long to 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 redo it now you have this facility which is i mean absolutely second to none as far as motocross facilities and in the world go not only do you have four athletes to manage, you have a couple of employees. Um, you have track maintenance, mm. property maintenance, the the works of of mm. uh, things to manage. Like how how does how does all that treat you? I mean, I know you and I have this joke: own a track. They say it'll be fun. They say, <laughs> but um, I, do you enjoy that? Yeah. Well, it's always been a dream. I never would have thought that I could have had a facility. You know, I did many, many, I mean, from Ricky, he had his own facility, you know, you know, James Stewart had his own facility, um, Velo bought his own facility, and I always looked at it that, man, I'd love to have that kind of uh, budget that, you know, was there obviously were doing well at the time, and, and they had that budget where they could afford that, but as a trainer, I, I could never, I, I, man, I would be like, I don't know how I'd ever get there, you know, but would I it was a dream that I'd want to have that because I pictured things 
a little bit different with what I would would with what I would do with the facility, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it kind of bugged me a little bit, but I, I never thought it was possible. And that's why I mean, talk about God's hand on 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 my career, my life, my everything. I, that to me is a complete miracle. Um, I it how it came about, how it's been possible. And I mean, it, you know, I've been doing this now 19 years, and the facility's been running, you know, for so it definitely didn't come easy. But there again, I don't think I would have been really ready for it. Um, so there's not a day that goes by that I don't appreciate and understand what I have. And and yes, it hasn't come easy, and it it is costly. There's some big loans on it, and we're moving through, and it's definitely over the hump. Um, but as our joke goes, uh, yeah, I own a tra- you know, and that's when equipment breaks or, it's you know, flooded. weather just pours in and, and those nice red cells that sit on the weather report are sitting right on the track, just <laughs> blowing everything out. It's, and you're not even anal at all, so I don't even know why that matters. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had some issues with that, you know, and I'm like, oh, no, you know. But yeah, um, We often joke with you that you should have built a golf course instead of a dirt bike track. I know, I know, that... That would be. It would have been yeah. much easier on your nerves and uh, your, exactly your psyche, especially when I see you guys just right across my lawn and a little hard on the throttle, and I'm like, no. Or Jason's going like thirty in his car. Oh yeah, just road. aiming for my irrigation spigots. Yeah, it's it's a challenge. Yeah, it, it, it's it keeps me. Uh, I'd say, yeah, a little on bit. Of, yeah, because it's everything. I have a little thing about dirt, but I'm in, a, in an industry that just provides a lot of dirt in all places. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, but going back to the, the uh, yes, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I, I still have to pinch myself that I've got this far with it. And, and um, yeah, I appreciate, appreciate everything that's, that, that's in there. You have to look back from, uh, you know, what I assume was a rather humble upbringing mm. in South Africa to, you know, sitting here in Claremont, Florida, you have, you know, most of what a man could ever want oh, and, yeah. and a, a dream job in a sense and yeah. uh, a facility that's second to none and, and just kind of be like, you know, how how did I pull this off? Yeah. Well, that's it. It is often where, I mean, I come from a house that had, like there was, you know, my brother had his, he, my brother at least had a room, I had a room. There was the kitchen, my parents' room, one bathroom, um, yeah, one toilet, um, and and then and lit. I mean, yeah, to get out of that and then come full circle and now you know to believe that a house can even have three bathrooms in it is insane. Yeah, you know, um, and it, ours was a one-story house, and I always thought, man, if if you really make it, man, you need to have some elevation. Yeah, two stories. A two-story house is gonna be in, oh that when you have a two story house you have made it and thank God Florida has a lot of two story houses, you know. I mean it still <laughs> has to it. fit in the budget. But as soon as I could get to where I was walking up some stairs and I may curse that later in life, but uh I was like, Man, I've made it man. We yeah, finally have got made something. But I do honestly never forget the roots and the understanding and, and it goes back to, you know, my parents they did everything in their power, you know, to to give myself and my brother every opportunity and understanding of 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 everything, but also the appreciation of simple things, you know, um, and that sticks with with me with me a lot. And 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 I don't 
overlook that and and, I, and that's why I'm probably a little bit anal about everything bizarre I I know it hasn't come easy and it's 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 a gift and and I don't want to mess that up um I feel like from personal experience you know the the hard times are what make the good times a little easier or mm. um make the what you think is hard times at hard time at not so hard times mm. a little easier yeah. um like that second moto on saturday i was hot i was yeah. suffering but i i've been worse you know i've yes. been i've been working at a normal job or um not in the best of positions and i i it, it kind of you in a sense kind of remind me of me or vice versa where the the hard times have hardened you enough to appreciate the good times yeah or the hard times even when they're hard or you know even making a hard situation a good situation yeah well the thing you got to learn and 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 it's not one of the easiest things to learn and and but no one wants stress in their life or no one wants a challenge uh we all want to to in a way come kind of easy you know and not get a super big challenge but the this the the sad and the good part of of it is that when you've been in a heck of a challenge or you've been you've no I wouldn't say suffered but you've been put to the test heavily that's the only time you really really grow yeah you know and I can only really see that now when I look back um my army career was was not good and um but I look back because I always wondered that why did I go through that? Um, but but it's good to to see that that's actually what hardened me. That I would have never left the country. I would have never taken the challenge to go out on your own and and go and even come to America. Yeah, I would have I would have settled so many times and never done as much as what I could have done if I hadn't have gone through some really difficult times for sure I, I totally understand that and I can um, feel the true emotion that you have for that that time in your life and I, I feel the same about my career as is what you do uh, you know I, I feel like had I not had those tough times in life yeah. given me those challenges looking back I feel like I was just getting the answers to the test in the you know in the end yeah or or it's so easy to look in hindsight and see what the plan was but you just don't know at the time and that's the thing is not knowing is but there again and that's what it goes back to you know our faith is is as understanding that and and even i've said to you in the past um you know the challenges if you actually don't embrace those and know that hey man there's actually some good stuff that's going to come out of this and honestly believing that then yeah it makes it you know a little bit a little bit worse but uh but that is the truth of it for sure Thank you guys for listening to the Husqvarna Shifting Gears podcast. This is Zach Osborne, rider for the Rockstar Energy Husqvarna factory racing team. I love my FC 450 race bike, but I also love the FC 350. It has the handling of 250 and the power of a 450, making it the perfect bike for both professional and amateur riders. Right now, Husqvarna Motorcycles is giving Shifting Gears listeners 1,500 reasons to get a brand new FC 350. Hurry into your local authorized Husqvarna Motorcycles dealer to find out more on the limited time offers available to get you out on the track today. All right, Alvin, let's let's take some listener questions a little bit more lighthearted. Mm. Um, first one's from Randy Morton. 
what's the one piece of technology that has made things easier for you as a trainer? Well, thanks, Randy. A good question. Um, well, initially, obviously, you know, monitoring heart rates for me with the knowledge that I have from my sport on heart rates is key. So, you know, Polar have always been a big part of my program and uh, monitoring uh, the heart rates. And then the next, the next biggest thing, especially in this sport to me, was uh, the Lit Pro. I mean, that device has been incredible to be able to monitor what you guys are actually doing on the track, the consistency, where you are gaining speed, losing speed. Um, That helps a lot because even when I'm watching, I can't see the full track. And it's worse, obviously, in motocross. Supercross, you can get a a decent idea. But as you know, Zach, I'm trying to watch four guys. So without that piece of technology I, I honestly yes i mean yes i still take lap times and i still have my you know startup mechanism of monitoring you know amount of laps load everything else um but to me that that's a massive step in in this industry to helping figure out where each person is you know better or worse and being able to overlap laps and figure out stuff is that is incredible and uh yeah so i would say that uh yeah between polar and and lit pro are the well the two biggest things yeah um the next one's uh from cody piscatelli would you have done anything different with people like rv and Stu now that you have the benefit of hindsight uh no i, I don't think i would have done anything different um I feel like uh, those years and and at that particular time, uh, you know, different sort of, in a way, era, you know, I would have, I still believe it would have been good to put more better riders together even at that point, but I don't think the personalities, I mean, RV towards the end was definitely open to it because he was almost needing someone to push him because he had already had great results and was kind of um could see the end you know coming and uh he needed you know to get through basically you know like another year and then um i mean with james i think that could have maybe helped a little but there again you know he he had his own facility he believed in his own sort of scenarios with who he had around him and there was a there was a big trust thing there which which is important to athletes so no i don't i don't think i'd i would change anything no fly racing usa dudes i love a boa system okay if it were up to me everything would be boa no more shoelaces no more snaps just boa boa everything so when fly told me they were putting the boa system on some of their pants totally stoked um I love everything I have from Fly, and one thing that people probably don't know is they make some pretty sick mountain bike stuff. So when I'm out on my Levo crushing it, I love to wear Fly. Check them out, flyracing.com. Um, Kelson Ammons asks, are there any riders, current or retired, who you would have liked to work with but never got a chance to? Uh, the only one that I can think of that I never got a chance, but it was maybe before me, was Greg Albertine. Oh, okay. You know, being a South African, when I first rocked up in 2000, I think it was almost Greg's last year. Um, and, uh, yeah, that would have been cool, I think, to to have sort of helped and joined up with him. Yeah, you know. that would have been like Team South Africa. Yeah, would, yeah. Ian was working for and him. And Ian well, was so. working for him, and... Uh, you know, and he had also had a heck of a path to try and come out and get to America. Right. You know, so 
I could relate with 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 him and um, yeah. So that that I thought would have been cool, but uh, it's about the only one. Um, he also asked, "I've heard you do Bible studies with your teams. How mm. big of a role does your faith have in your training programs?" Oh, I mean, my faith—it's it's huge. I, I don't think I could do this job properly or take the load on myself with, and especially the way I'm wired with my <laughs> my yes, my anal problems. OCD. <laughs> yes. Okay. A better word for it than Zach. But um, uh, yeah, I think it's big, and 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 you've got to have faith because you 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 don't have much control other than what what you can do and structure wise and everything else but the rest there's there's a lot on the line and and uh, i feel like that's that's a big important factor and 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 it is cool we we do bible studies during the during the week and this industry i feel like doesn't really tap into that and and as a trainer i've always like okay you've got to be trained in your physical you've got to uh you know we've got cardio you've got strength and all that but our spiritual side never gets any training and and i learned that sort of later in life and it you know it helped me a lot so uh, i want to um pass that on and, and help people coming up that you don't have to take that load so heavily when you have you know, faith, you know, in the Lord. So I think it's, that's, that's a big part. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dark side asks, uh, is there one main thing that makes your program so successful? Dark side. Dark side. That. He's a dude with a ponytail. You see him at some of the races. Oh, okay. All right. He has a podcast of his own, Motorx pod show. Okay. Yeah. I'd say the only thing unique that I feel in my program is, uh, because I don't really know what other trainers do and, and, and I respect all the other trainers out there. I think it's a big, Part and, and, and it's needed in this industry but I'm not really aware of what they do and, and how they go about it um, but maybe what's unique about mine is is I do feel like the structure is very very important to me um, and then also uh, the amount of one-on-one time that I spend with you guys I feel like that's that is you know you're basically like my own family yeah. you know like all my kids so uh, <laughs> you know so it and and I take it that way. Um, so maybe I'd say that that's the other thing is the the amount of hands-on time you have to be involved with. Okay, um, Michael Akaiden, he's a supercross racer. Yeah, makes some main events, and uh, mm-hmm. he asks, when riders train off the bike, do you have them use correct bike form during exercises? Uh, no, not really, because the training off the bike. So if you go with like, okay, cardio training is cardio training, and obviously I try and you know get some variety out of that so that it's not stale um but to me that's that's all heart rate based um then if you go to the gym stuff to me it depends on the actual athlete i don't believe that you guys are full gym gurus and you show and so you shouldn't be so i'm very uh picky on keeping the gym stuff where obviously you don't do something that could be detrimental you know if you did the wrong form or something so i try and tailor it to that you guys can manage it well but i'm still getting this the benefits out of the training but that has no real bearing on unbelievable form or something related from the motors motor the motorcycle only thing that i can think of that relates to motorcycle form was the repro you know, you may have keeping position and where your shoulders are and on the balls of your feet. That to me relates to motorcycle. So, but that was very specific. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bob from Omaha. He's a Twitter sensation. Okay. Um, if you could go back in time, what would you tell younger Alden about training? 
I think, yes, if I could go back to the early days, I would, uh, I would have put God first. Yeah. A lot earlier because I put a lot on myself and and that expectancy and uh, um, that to me was one thing I changed. Bob also asks, how in the heck do you pronounce your name? It's Elden. Elden. Okay. Yeah. Now we it's, know. It's spelt with an A, but that's British A. Okay. Not not Alden. Because okay. I came to America and people started calling me Alden. And I'm like, oh no, that sounds that sounds like all done, <laughs> like like it's over. So it's so Eld- Alden Baker. Alden El- Baker. All right, that's all the listener questions. So, how long is Alden Baker gonna keep going? What's what's the plan? Well, I just reached fifty, man. I'm just starting off, and I've just had a. I'm turning the corner. Second so part of life, right? Second part of life. No, I feel as as long as I feel that I can make a difference and 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 have that passion and that the guys still have respect for me and, and believe in, in, in me and the training. Um, heck, I haven't got any plan of shutting down. I mean, I don't want to settle. I think there's still a lot to go. What about goals? What's, what's left on the goal list? Um, I, I mean, to me, the goals is you guys. Yeah. Getting you guys championships that you guys can look back and say, you know what, that was cool. And I can look and say, man, that was a job well done. You know, so uh, that's that consistent goal is, and that that's every year. So uh, it's to me, I, I get a, sa- a satisfaction that from you guys that you and I know only one person can win a championship. That's what's kind of hard, you know. And I have four guys, but if I can look back and see that you guys were all potentially in it to win it, um, and we know whatever happens after that you know happens then i feel like i've done my job the best way that's i mean that's pretty pretty unreal that's it's a great mm-hmm. goal to have i mean i think it's it's honestly a pretty big goal because there's yeah. four of us you know that's, yeah. that's a pretty big job yeah and and even in results i mean my goal is one two three and four yeah. at one point it was one two and three that's been done maybe what twice i think I do remember Detroit Supercross, one, two, and three. And one, two, and three. And three. But Who was that? That was, well, remember Dunch got docked points oh, so there Jason because won. So Jason won. I think Marv was second, Dunch got third. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm not really concerned about any particular Just order, but then I feel like, okay, now I've done my job because. So one, three, four, and five this weekend just wasn't quite cutting it, right? We're getting better because <laughs> beforehand, remember, I was licking my wounds. We were, yeah, three, four, five, and six. Yeah. And then I was also thinking to myself, man, I have four guys against two. How, how can we not uh, do something better than that? But uh, look, the other two are are riding well, and yeah, we've got to be better. But yeah, one, two, three, and four would be the, the ticket. All right, here are some uh, fun personality questions. Um, most important purchased object? See, I can't think of anything. Uh, no, hang on. I'd have to go with... Um, my wife's wedding ring, Ooh, just to be politically one. correct. Brownie points. That did cost some money, and uh, that was special, and uh, it's for a lifetime, there so you. that would be about the only thing. Perfect. Uh, guilty pleasure food? Ooh, yeah. Peanut M&M's, man. Not if I see them, or Oh, gosh. Prime man. rib? Dude, you know me and meat. That doesn't <laughs> exist in my life. Um, morning person or night? Morning person. Um... Biggest pet peeve? Disrespectful people. Okay. Weirdest quirk? 
what I see on the floor that I, which is crazy. I mean, if I see some little, like you see those little white things on the floor there? Yeah. Now that's a pet peeve right there. You or just, a quirk. It's weird. I can, I, have, I need glasses to read, but I can see stuff so clearly on the, fl- you know, <laughs> dirt on the floor. I can see and it'll irritate me. Particularly track gym floor, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, any other talent or skill you could have, what would it be? Man, I'd really like to play the drums. Drums? Yeah. And I've tried once and I went to one lesson and the guy told me, look, this is no hope. not looking good. Your <laughs> ability in that area is not good. Um, travel back in time to any event, what would it be? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'd probably say... Man, that is, that's a tough one because there's a lot of events that I think I could do a redo and enjoy it a bit more. You don't even uh, have to be alive, like anything from history, period. Oh, oh anything. For, oh, gosh. Um, well, I don't know if that makes it even easier for me. Um, sure. I don't know. No, I don't, nothing to comes to... Um, thing you're the worst at. Probably overlooking small things. <laughs> <laughs> Think you're the best at other than your job? Um, probably vacuuming. Vacuuming? I'm good at vacuuming, man. Those, oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Um, and your favorite music genre? I'm I know st- this one. Stuck in the 80s, 80s. man. 80s. Yeah. And I've got you a sweet bag of skosh stuff. You can blast all the 80s music you want on, just That's not me. when we're working out in the gym. Okay. But okay. yeah, 80s is the real deal, man. All right. And a quote to live by. Put God first. Put God first. And everything else will flow. All right, Alvin. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being on the Husqvarna Shifting Gears podcast. It's been um, a pleasure. I hope this kind of brings some a different perspective uh, on you and your career to people that they've never had before and um i really appreciate your time no thanks Seka. it's been fun and i uh, appreciate it too man yes, really sir. cool no problem